Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shoffner, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Alan Medlock from Red Dirt Redbird at A Medlock 1 on the Twitters. Coming to you Saturday morning, the last Saturday of October, day after the first game of the World Series. And Alan, I honestly, I, I'm going to say, I don't know that I've watched... I watched a few. I watched like the, the the extra innings of the Seattle Houston game in the first round. I think it's the only playoff baseball I've seen. I know you're watching it all the time. Did you watch last night? I watched every pitch. The <laughs> uh, uh, last night was good. You missed a really good World Series game. Yeah, that uh, it it had all it had all the uh, how should I say it. It's one of those where you feel like the best team jumps out, but the team with uh, destiny on its side comes back. It was mm-hmm. it was interesting, and I'll be honest, I could watch Verlander all day. Um, yeah. It's uh, you know he's just fun to watch, and and uh, he was dominant for three innings, and it was I mean, it was it was pre- it was pretty crazy. And you know it's always an Oklahoma that steps up and dominates these things. But, <laughs> you know, Muto gets a chance, and that's just how it works. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing today a lot of this idea that you know if Brian Helsley had waved to the coaches like a batter or two before the whole situation might have changed I'm not sure I'm not sure about that but I think that's there's something to that right I mean I'm not saying the Cardinals would be in the World Series right now I think there's some people that think that I I think that the Phillies played the you know played their way there in a way that the Cardinals might not have been able to but you know, if if they take what game one in that series, they probably win that series. Do you don't do you think, or do you think the Phillies are just that team that it wouldn't have mattered? They would have found a way to win, even if you know in game, well, game three. I, yeah, I, I always kind of wonder how much it plays into the Cardinals left the door open for this to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, one of those type of situations because one lose on the road, you're probably you probably do win that series. You know, if you're St. Louis yeah. to uh, to close that out, so. Yeah, I don't know. We'll never know. But but you're right. I mean, I felt like they were, the Cardinals were the better team. Um, and, you know, potentially, you know, one of the top two guys they had on their uh, 
had in the uh, rotation, they, they had him beat in game one and, and, and blew it. And those things happen. But, you know, it's one of those, I just feel like it, momentum is everything in October. And you left the door open for that to really pick up for Philadelphia, who, and, and in theory, wasn't playing that great to, to get in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, down the stretch, the, the last couple of weeks, it was, you know, they had a real good chance of falling out in, in Milwaukee, you know, being that last spot. Yeah. Um, and then, I, I mean, wh- I know we and Alex and I probably talked about this a couple weeks ago as in the grumpy old man stage, but um, you know, what does this, does this mean anything? Is it good or bad for baseball that a team that would have been sitting home in any year, but this one um, now has one old lead and could easily win the world series. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. I, as much as I like playoff expansion, I'm trying to, let it play out over a couple of years instead of having a knee jerk reaction yeah. on some stuff. Yeah. You know, one of those things, because one personally, I don't like the teams waiting for a week. You know, mm-hmm. that's something that's always bothered me. And, but I also understand it's not necessarily fair in a format that I would like where everybody hosts a three game series at home, because I think that's good for growing the game to have a playoff series in a hometown is big, but you, you wonder, I mean, how many of those times is the hot team going to come on in and knock out the number one seed? And, which, while that's fun in basketball or, say, football per se, I don't think a lot of people are going to be happy if that happens in baseball. So, you know, I don't know if they get used to it or whatnot. So, I don't know. I'm really riding the fence on this one. Um, one, I, the aesthetics look terrible with teams having a buy, And then being mm-hmm. on the flip side, it looks terrible when, you know, you don't get rewarded for much to, to run the whole uh, – be one of the better teams throughout a whole 162. Yeah, it's – and you're right. You can't take – this year and then extrapolate this into this is the way it's always going to be. Um, and on the American league side, things kind of went according to plan, right? They kind of, kind of went by chalk. Um, so maybe you're going to have just, you know, just a little bit of this chaos. is not a bad thing, but I, I do think that, especially if this becomes a more regular thing, yeah. um, then you're getting to this, you're really getting back to this idea of just getting in you don't have to put together a hundred win team because you may sit for a week and get beat, you know, um, that you need to be playing. You need to just be playing your best baseball right as you get into October. And that'll take you through, uh, which then would mean that teams aren't necessarily going out and, you know, trying to become hundred win teams um, and things of that nature. So I don't know, again, you're right. You can't do that. You know, next year, all four number one seeds may be, you know, playing for the World Series, you know, at the at the end. So we'll just never know yet. But uh, you know, early indication, you're right. I don't like the buy either. I really was thinking that it was gonna be more of a problem. Um, you know, the Braves came out looking like it was a problem. Um, I think the Astros were down in their first game before they rallied to come back against Seattle. Um, you know, I I don't I don't like that much either, but then again, I mean, you know, baseball, baseball in general has sat here, what, three or four days. Um, yeah. That, I, I kind of thought that was funny as well. How we've had this whole week. I mean, no, no baseball in the, the time of the year when it's supposed to be on every night. Yeah. I mean, but that's, that's always happened. Some just because of the, you've got a plan for a seven game series at this point in time. And then, you know, if a team sweeps or something, then they're going to be sitting for a bit. And that's always been kind of one of those talking points of, you know, does the does the layoff hurt them? And you know, I'm sure somebody's done the research to find out if it does or not. But um, one 
team that has had a huge layoff, though, of course, is the Cardinals. They have been sitting at home for quite some time and will not play again until February uh, or March, but um, had plenty of news for the Cardinals this week as um, both uh, Adam Wainwright decided he's going to come back and John Mosley like at his end of the year press conference, which provided more news than normal. And, you know, I, there's just so much to go through. So let's start with, let's start with Wainwright because I think it's a little bit more contained. Uh, Adam Wainwright coming back next year, 17 and a half point, uh, 17 and a half million dollar contract, 10 of million of which is deferred, which we're going to talk about being a kind of a key thing later on. You know, I've said um, most of the year, I think everybody that's listened to this podcast knows that I said I thought he was going to retire at the end of this year. Um, I thought he was going to try to slip away and, and do nothing. And I want to be clear, Wainwright himself said that was probably going to happen if it hadn't been for a bad September and the, and the way that the season ended. Um, whether that's true or not, we'll see. But uh, were you surprised that he was coming back? What do you, what do you think? Not I, not necessarily surprised because I kind of thought the same thing as well. I, that that text thread was was uh, mm-hmm. was pretty telling to me that and even the things that he said at, in the post game after losing about the you know being in the bullpen and making that last walk didn't set well with him. I was like, this is probably going to happen, and it also it may be pretty poetic for him to do it on his own as well after you know ha- having the pomp and circumstance with with Yachty and, and Pujols. Um, not not surprised. Uh, Pretty excited about it, um, you know, just for him, for his sake, and and one as he could incre- be incredibly effective. Uh, so as far as as far as that goes, not necessarily surprised that he came back. I was probably fifty fifty at best anyway, but uh, but yeah, I uh, I was glad that that led off the press conference, but. There was an inkling to me that knew that there was something a little bit bigger than that because when was the last time they've had one of these press conferences? Um, well, they used to be pretty common. Yeah, but um, I always felt like those were kind of congratulatory unless something big happened. So I can't really remember. And I don't remember if it was the pandemic that kind of – remember they did the one on Zoom that year. And, uh, yeah. and I can't remember – before that, but I was trying to think I, and, and I, cause the day, the day before is when the news broke that he was coming back and then you had the presser. So I don't know. It was yeah. I'm, to answer your question. I'm glad he's coming back. I'm not necessarily surprised. And I thought that, uh, I thought they kind of, you could read the tea leaves that something bigger was happening. Yeah. I, I think again, like you're right. When he put out the Twitter thread of saying, this is what, what went wrong in September, it was hard to say that he wasn't coming back after that. Um, and I get that. I, I would be interesting if, if he had had a September like the rest of his year and then had a chance to pitch at the postseason, even if they'd lost in that first round, would he have decided that was good and, and then just kind of let, let it go? Or would he still wanted to, you know, see if he could go out with a little bit better, better result? I don't know. Um, but he has come back and that, then poses a bit of a question. The Cardinal rotation feels full now, right? With, with yeah. Rainwright coming back, but we still, there's still a, 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 a case to be made that they need uh, some sort of dominant starter at the beginning, at top of this rotation. Um, maybe that's going to be Jack Flaherty. If Jack Flaherty is healthy and 
able to be kind of the Jack Flaherty we have seen in flashes. Um, but I don't know that that's necessarily what you want to bet on for next year. Do you, and and maybe we maybe we should save this for a later on. But do you do you think this closes a door, or do you think the Cardinals are going to be creative and maybe still try to get a guy in like that? Yeah, I, that was my first question as well because you look at it and uh, you think, yeah, that's a pretty decent rotation. If you were to go, you know, Wainwright, Michaelis, Matts, uh, who am I missing? Flaherty, and who am I missing as the fifth? It's Montgomery, probably Montgomery. Yeah, who I think could be the most upside in the group. Um, I was like, okay, that's going to win you a lot of games, you know, and then and then you can kind of build backwards from there. But as you can see in the playoffs, and I thought last night was a perfect example of what you need. Now, of course, the the last night was two of the best. Mm-hmm. You have to have some strikeouts. Yeah. That's that's what I think the Cardinals rotation lacks in the worst way. And you do, you wonder how much they're banking on Flaherty to do that, or if they can't go play in some some pretty heavy waters. I mean, you know, Fredrickson has said this from the beginning of what kind of what can you do to entice Verlander to come. You know, especially under these circumstances, to see he says he can play three more years. Now, I ultimately think that Houston will pay him whatever they want to to keep mm-hmm. him there. But you know, you do wonder if there's going to be guys out there that can come in and fit that role. And you know, I don't know now, but now you kind of wonder where that's going to happen. Yeah, I I agree. And it's and somebody pointed out on Twitter. I don't remember who I was re- skimming through, but somebody made the point. You know, pitch to contact is going to have some problems next year because yeah. of the shifting bid, or at least yep. it's not as, you know, dominant of a shift. Um, they're still gonna be able to shift some. And I mean, again, I love a double play. Uh, I love all that stuff. And that does allow your pitchers to go deeper if they're doing well, but they're also, you're also gonna have a lot more base runners and you're gonna have a lot more chances for something to go wrong. Um, and a lot of, chances of not getting out of a jam um so yeah i i feel like they've got to figure out that how somehow there's nobody in the system that's especially close enough um in fact i know i haven't followed the minors as much as i should but i don't feel like they've got a real strong pitching prospect until you go all the way down to ten kents and that's you know single a um which is a an issue that the cardinals may be need to address as well but um but yeah i i I mean you're right you can win you can win a lot of games with that rotation you could probably win the division with that rotation but can you go any farther in in october with that rotation that's that's really questionable well and that's it's that's the i know this sounds kind of crazy right now but i feel like this is this may be the uh the the mindset of you know the Cardinals fan base and maybe even the uh, in the front office of okay now we do have to take that next step because you kind of worry that you're missing missing out on uh, you know some prime years of Arnado and and Goldschmidt you know because I mean they're there and you see what happens so you know I don't know I mean I, I feel like that would be a situation I thought this was a great tweet from Jeff Jones um, it names five players, and he says, "Let's play the game of the odds of who comes back." And it was Alex Reyes, Paul DeYoung, Jack Flaherty, Miles Michaelis, Tyler O'Neill. And he, interestingly enough, put it at two and a half. Do you agree with that? Um, and I think the half is pretty telling on that, which you have to have to break a tie. But right. 
who are the two that you think? Because that really puts the emphasis on one of Flaherty, Michaelis, or O'Neal. Yeah, that's... Who are those being guys that they're counting on as rotation pieces? Boy, I think that... I mean, you've got to... They're going to keep Michaelis. I mean... Yeah. I'm not not 100% sure he has a... if he has a trade clause in his contract. I don't remember. I'd have to look it up. Um, but he's, you know, one of the reasons he signed with St. Louis, he's been good there. He's still got, you know, you could argue that, although less so after this year, that maybe they extend him too early, but you know, I think, I think that's fine. I think they're good. Um, Jack, you, you, to lose Jack Flaherty is to take a step back in the category that you're trying to get better in. Um, unless you're packaging him with, I don't know. I don't know what you would get for him. I mean, with somebody for, you'd have to be getting top, top shelf, right? To get rid of I would Flaherty. think so. I mean, that's, and you know, you, you kind of wonder, I mean, it, that, I, I, I'd sent out a message before to some of the uh, writers to say, what's the likelihood that Flaherty gets traded? And it was kind of laughed mm-hmm. off, but you kind of wonder if they did miss the boat on it. I mean, I know that sounds stupid, but, but that kind of, what brought that tweet to mm-hmm. mind was the fact that you brought up the fact that you said that, that, they're going to have to revamp some pitching in the in you know in the lower levels, right? Well, that could bring out bring them back a bunch. It could, it could. Um, and the, this is this is Flaherty's last year before spring before arbitrary or uh, free agency, right? I mean, I think that 20, 23 is his last year before he gets to free agency. And if you don't think you are going to get him to sign an extension. Boy, again, I don't. uh, Yeah. You're definitely not trading Jack Flaherty so you can make your room for Dakota Hudson or something like that. Agreed. Agreed. Um, So, yeah, I I think Flaherty's back. I could see situations where he's not. Yeah. But I I don't know that the Cardinals. Yeah. What, what's the, what's more likely to happen? Well, no, that's kind of stupid. But uh, what I, to me, I wonder if he wouldn't be one. What's is he more likely to be traded or, or more likely to be extended? Hmm. You know, of course, we have this this reputation that Flaherty's wants the big stage and he wants the big yeah. dollars and he wants to be in Los Angeles or whatever like that. But then there's also a lot of talk you know, from the writers and stuff like that, if you ask, when you see it is, you know, how much he really does enjoy being in St. Louis and how much that he is, you know, absorbed, you know, being now, if some of that is, he's good buddies with Adam Wainwright and enjoys having Wainwright, well, Wainwright has pretty much said, I mean, he said it's his last one, you know, I guess he could go back on it, but in pretty much, this is his last season anyway. So if that's the case, Flaherty may be saying, I'm not as likely to resign. And I do think that Flaherty's a guy he's talked about the union a lot. I think is, I think Flaherty's a guy that goes to the free agent market. And once that happens, you know, that's probably not. So I guess I would say he's more likely to be traded than extended because yeah. I do think he hits the free agent market. Hmm. Now, does that mean the Cardinals won't bring him back? Not necessarily, but boy, you know, as we know, they don't like getting into bidding wars. And if Jack Flaherty hits, especially if Jack Flaherty has a good 2023, uh, he's going to probably 
be in a bidding war with somebody. So I don't, I don't know that we see him after 23. So then, you know, again, that does open it up. And, but I, again, I don't, uh, sorry. Um, Cause you start saying, I mean, like, yeah, okay. It opens it up to being traded, but then you're trying to get strikeout type pitchers here. What do you, how do you do yeah. that? And you may not have to pay for it. I agree. I mean, it's, it's tough. I was thinking about that, about the uh, just, gosh, the injuries have just derailed. It's, it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, if you had seen, I mean, you're never going to see the 2019 second half, 2019 Jack Flaherty on an extended base. I mean, that was just yeah legendary type stuff. But if you'd seen somebody at 75% of that over the last three years, two years, then we're not having this discussion. The Cardinals have probably tried their best to lock him up. And if they can't lock him up, then they probably do trade him because there's absolutely no way they'll bring him back. But the problem is that he's not been, he's been injured and, and you can make, you can make an argument that he's never going to hit that potential that he's going to, you know, that we've seen out of him. I, I don't know if I'd make it, but I think I could understand people saying he's going to be good. He's never going to be great. Cause that is somewhat the way of baseball, right? I mean, it's a rare you know, Albert Pujols is rare. You know, a guy that comes out and has great years all the time. There are a lot of players that have a great year or a great part of a year or something that really looks like they're tapping into all their potential and they never hit that again. Right. I mean, there's some guys like Alex Reyes that never hit it at all. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I can, I could see the Cardinals saying, okay, maybe we can sell high on him if it wasn't for the fact that they just don't have anybody else like him. If they had an Alex Reyes that we thought we were going to have, right. That they got that strikeout guy that was going to be a top of the rotation type of starter. If they had him in this rotation, then yeah, I think they could move Flaherty and get something better and, you know, get some sort of pitcher back that's in that vein, but maybe not as good and then get a, a prospect or two or something of that nature. I can see that. They just don't have that. And so I, I don't think they can afford to move Flaherty right now. He checks a lot of boxes of what they want when he's healthy. That makes, mm-hmm. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And it, I, yeah, I mean, I agree with all, I agree with all that. I mean, it's, it's one of those to where I, I, I don't think you could afford to lose them. And you do wonder what kind of uh, movement has been made for an extension. You know, those are things that we'll, that we'll never know, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I just feel like that he fits a little too well right now, considering what they need. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Um, so then I guess it comes down to Tyler O'Neill. I think if Tyler O'Neill doesn't come back, you're selling low. Yeah. Um, I don't. But if they go out, of course, I think as we look, I don't think there's a real big outfield bat in the on the market right now. I mean. Side there and judge, and that's not going to happen. Um, but assuming you you sign for or trade for some other bat, I mean, Tyler O'Neill could go. I I I think more likely he's going to be here next year. But I mean, I think out of the people that we've mentioned, because I don't think Alex Reyes is here, and I don't think Paul DeYoung is here. So out of the people that's mentioned, I think it's the most likely not to be here and bring you under that two and a half. Yeah, I mean, it's, 
I was kind of surprised that it was said like that, you know, mm. for that reason, because I was like, one of these names is going to be one that's, that's kind of tough to swallow to, you know, the, I think I do believe that O'Neill will be the most interesting decision because I do kind of wonder if, if it's one of those, I hate to say the term, the little injuries and the, and the what, but have, have we seen the best of what he is? You know that, you know what yeah. I mean by that? Yeah. Is it this, is this what it's going to be? And we saw the best of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, that you talk about just adding, you have the, the numbers that he finished with last year. You have that, a potent bat and you match up with like a, a Philadelphia type situation, but you, I don't know. I wonder how much faith they've lost in him, to be honest with you. Well, honestly, when you know, when you're talking about it, Teller O'Neill is the offensive version of Jack Flaherty. Yeah. And a guy that has all the potential and we've seen it on an extended period, but we haven't seen it, you know, consistently over years and we may have seen the best of them. Um, and I think you can make all the same arguments we just made for Jack Flaherty uh, being staying or going that you could for Tyler O'Neill. Um, and Tyler O'Neill's probably, I should fold this up, but I, he may be as well about to hit the free agent market. I can't remember. He probably has, he may have another. Yeah. I've got uh, a reference pulled up right now. Yeah. Um, Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Basically, well, uh, he's free in 25. Okay. So he's far, yeah. he's, he's got another, another year or so. Uh, oh yeah. He just had his first arbitration. Yeah. Okay. He, it feels like he's been around longer than that. Um, so yeah, he's still got a couple years. So, um, so that's the difference. And I think that's also the case. I mean, if you've got a 40 home run guy that you're paying, it's just an arbitration, especially should be a down arbitration to some degree after this year, then it's hard to say you move on from that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's it. That's it. No, well, and you know, it's funny, you know, we talk about it and I, where, where I think there's going to be a little bit of frustration. I think the shortstop spot is where people think that they're going to improve. Um, I think they let it leak out. The catcher is probably where they're going to go, but I don't think they're going to go high end on that, but they are mm-hmm. going to get somebody that could be via trade. That's why some of these names are, are interesting, but, but don't you think the big bat they go get has to be an outfielder? If that, if they're going to add, I mean, or do they think O'Neill's that guy? I mean, I, I, that, those are the questions that'd be interesting to answer. Now they also find ways. Mo is still very good at, uh, making some trades that are incredibly beneficial and he turns over every stone to do it, you know, so that those will be long story short. Don't you feel like outfield will be the logical choice where they try to improve if they do go get a bat? I mean, it, it makes sense, which is ironic. Again, we've had this discussion of how much they worked and worked and worked to get Harrison Bader, Dylan Carlson to Tyler O'Neill into an outfield to be their outfield forever. And now yeah. Bader's gone and we don't know anything about the other two. Um, I think that's true, but you know, again, I'm looking through this free agent market and I don't see anybody that you want to just yeah. um, lock down for, you know, five years or something. That's that kind of, that kind of bad. Um, you know, <laughs> no, I, I, well, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I started turning some stuff over and I was thinking, well, what kind of trades do they make? And, you yeah. know, I know it's, uh, <laughs> It would make him uncomfortable, but 
man, one, anybody that listens to the show knows I'm a big fan, but boy, Trey Turner would be nice. Yeah. And you know, you can lead off somebody like that. You know, he's still, even after the success, he's still relatively young. You know, it's, I don't know. I mean, that checks a whole lot of boxes. I agree. I mean, if, if, if you told me that the Cardinals were going to buy a big free agent, that's who I would think they would be. Um, because I think it does make a lot of sense. Um, I mean, you do have to try to figure out, you know, what does that mean for, um, you know, you know, do you move Tommy Edmond to then the second permanently? What does that mean? for Nolan Gorman, is he, you know, is it him and yep. It's just DHing, And does that take away your, you know, flexibility at that spot? Um, you know, what does that mean for Mason win? There's a lot of things that, but you know, to some degree you get your talent and you sort it out after that. I agree. Um, Well, and you know, and I made a comment, you know, a couple weeks ago when we were on here that you're just like, well, you worry about Wynn and Walker and those guys. And you're just like, Hey, make that a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Make that a problem for you. Make it uncomfortable. But if that's the case, I mean, you know, that's a good thing. Now, though, yeah, and I, I do I think you, you said that, you know, do they think that Tyler O'Neill's that big bat? They may think Jordan Walker's that big bat. I agree. I, I, I completely agree with you. And you know what? I'll be honest, and I went to a lot. Now, this is just untrained eye. Mm-hmm. Wynn really impressed me here in, yeah. say, in, in Tulsa. I was like, wow, he that he can play. You know, mm-hmm. one of those type situations. He looked a head and shoulders above everybody else in the field. So I think that they're in good hands with both of them. But I do agree with you. I think the power bat in Walker is one that they're going to rush through pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, Derek Gould in his chat didn't seem to rule out, you know, Walker making the team with in spring training next year. Um, and I think that's a possibility too, especially if they go out and get a Trey Turner and say, okay, we've got outfielders. I don't know who the, like, I mean, you've got, cause you know, you've got a lot of guys that you want to play, right. Unless you make some sort of trade cause you've got Newt Barr and you've got Carlson and you've got O'Neill and then you have Walker. Um, yep. can play out there some if he's not DHing. Um, you know, it could be that they say, look, we're not going to go out and get that big bat. Cause again, there's not, I don't see just anybody that just jumps off the page except for Aaron judge. And again, if he didn't go back to the Yankees, I'd be stunned. Um, so that may, and that could be, that could be a significant upgrade. If you've got, um, if you replace Corey Dickerson with Jordan Walker, I mean, Jordan Walker didn't have to be a superstar to, at the beginning to make this team better. Yeah. Um, and if Tyler O'Neill does, you know, get closer to what we've seen, I'm not saying he has to be, the MVP type of guy from a couple of years ago, but even if he's like, you know, consistently above average, you know, and Dylan Carlson rebounds some, if they're, you know, from injuries and we'll see if that's what his issue was or not. I mean, it wouldn't take much for that to rebound and this team, this offense to be better. Now you've got to realize that Paul Goldschmidt and Nerolyn Arnauto are probably not going to be what they were last year, but you know, you're going to also upgrade a catcher just by yeah. anything you put back there. Sure. So and, and, No, I completely agree with all that. And it's one of those to where um, I feel like the more we think about it and to see what happened with Gorman in the end, I think mm-hmm. in the beginning, I don't think they were completely comfortable with what they saw out of Gorman in spring, and that's why they brought in Dickerson. 
I feel yeah. like their plan, and it's going to be full go this year, is a Yepes, Gorman, and maybe Walker, if he pushes his way into that, into the DH type role situation. The reason I don't think that happened last year is, A, I don't think they were completely comfortable with Gorman, and B, Albert Pujols. Yeah. I don't think they would have moved off that last year, and it gave them a a safe year to move into those guys this year. So I feel like you can improve that way and not have to go out and sign anyway and make a big move. And then the spotlight turns back to Turner for me. You know, that's – guy. you – I mean, you build a a, – you're pretty (laughs) – that lineup's incredible if you add Turner – I feel like it. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's made a lot of sense to me for quite some time. Yeah. He's and one I mean, of my it, favorite players. That's a non-cardinal. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. he's stud. And you've also got, I mean, you've got Carlos Correa. If you want to do that, um, it's a little bit different skill set that they bring to the table, yeah. but it definitely would help as well. Right. Um, so, so the Cardinals have said the payroll is going up. That was part of this, um, not the most important thing that came out of this press conference. We still haven't got to that part yet, but um, but that was kind of an indication. Um, we talked about Adam Wainwright coming back and deferring the $10 million. You know, Jeff Jones indicated that even if they just went up 10% on payroll with what they've got right now, they'd have like $60 million to, to play with this off season. You know, does that mean that that's what they're going to do? I, yeah, I don't know. They could go more than that. They could decide this is the year we're going to do it. Um, although a 10% increase seems probably as much as I would expect the Cardinals to do, even after such a great year. So, I mean, it really kind of boils down to, right? They can get one big free agent without much trouble, I feel like, uh, and still be able to do anything else. Now, that does depend on... And it's the situation where we have maybe the elephant in the room. I don't know that it's really that big. Maybe it's the, I don't know, the zebra in the room. I don't, I don't know. Um, it's Nolan Arnado's opt out, which he still, he has until the end of the World Series, five days after the end of the World Series. So in theory, sometime this week or early next um, to make his decision on whether he's opting out. Um, last year, he picked that up immediately this year he said kind of more like he's going to be more in line with the union but the union wants and stuff like that um but i still i mean i don't think there's any any way that nolan arnado is not a st louis cardinal next year even if he opts out i think he's back in st louis but i think more likely and you and i talked about this before the show they're going to spend some money on him this off season rework his contract a little bit give him value to buy out that opt out that kind of stuff you know does that does that affect that 60 million dollars or do you think they try to just push as much of that down the road somewhere well yeah i don't know i mean that's you had a great point before the show and in the beginning here of of some of the tea leaves of wainwright's contract to Mm -hmm. see what some of these guys are willing to to defer essentially or defer this essentially to uh to bring in, you know, a, uh, another, another stud. So I don't know that that has, that's topic one on the off season. I'm, I'm assuming, right. Since Wayne Wright is now, you know, in yeah. a back in house yeah. just to see where that goes and see how that works to me that I know that we were in tune with it whenever uh, he was brought over. And that night was crazy on the show that we were actually live while the trade was going down. Um, I, 
his the contract is almost confusing. You yeah. know, to kind of see what is what's going where and what happens if he doesn't come back, the Cardinals still get money. I mean, it's it's pretty it's a pretty confusing deal, and I would assume that there's a lot that goes into something like that. And when you add in the union aspect of it, it probably adds another wrinkle. Um, I agree with you. I feel like he is coming back. There's it's one of those to where I think everybody knows here I'm pro union. I feel like the players union is about as strong as it can get. But I still, in the back of my mind, sometimes think, man, it kind of stinks that the player has that much power. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it's interesting, and, it, and it's it's slightly nauseating here for the next week or so. Yeah, again, I, I guess this isn't for me like Albert in 2011, where he was hitting free agency. And even then, I felt like Albert was coming back. Obviously, he didn't. Um, but there was some anxiety. Um I just, I, you know, Nolan Arenado, and we've talked about this a lot, but Nolan Arenado wanted to be in St. Louis years before he got to St. Louis. I mean, he actively worked to get to St. Louis. He, I mean, you know, it's my opinion that he told the Rockies, it, it you're going to trade me and it's only going to be to St. Louis. And that's one of the reasons the Cardinals got such a deal is because Colorado had absolutely no leverage. Um, and for him to do all that work, okay, yeah, he comes to St. Louis and, you know, maybe it's not what he thought it was, but that's not the indication that we've ever gotten from Nolan Arenado. He has, I mean, one, he's been in the playoffs both years. He's won his first divisional title in St. Louis. So the winning part, which I think is huge for Arenado, is going. The fan base is there. I mean, he's, you know, he's playing in front of packed houses and every night, especially this last year, he got to play with Albert Pujols. He's seen what he's seen what this fan base can be for players that they just adore and have an extensive period of time with this team. Um, I don't think that anything in his St. Louis experience has been so contrary to what he thought the St. Louis experience was going to be that he doesn't want to be here anymore. I mean, he's every time he's talked about it, he's not even been like, well, we'll just see how the, how the process goes or blah, blah, blah. It's always like, Hey, I want to be here. Um, and that doesn't, it doesn't rule, rule out, out that he that can he do can. it. Uh, you know, he could change his mind or, or sure. whatever, or the unions. I don't want to say that. I, it, it's easy to make the union, the bugaboo, but there is some idea of the union doesn't want players always to just, they, go, they want the players to think about the the precedent they're setting for everybody else, not just necessarily take what they want to do. So I think some of this is a little bit of, you know, because I think, you know, if it was up to Nolan just by himself, he probably just accepts the, the thing and goes on. But it does sound like also he's using this to make sure that the front office is going to be aggressive about improving the team, right? They've talked to him and... He, he, I don't think I don't think you could question that they want to win, but I do think he wants to get he wants us to have some say in it. I don't maybe I mean maybe it's saying too much, but at least have some in some to be able to express his opinion about what they should do. Um, and I think you know he's got this he's using his leverage right now to do that. Um, again, I just don't see him going anywhere, but I guess you never know until until everything's done. Yeah, and you know, it's funny too because. I've always felt like he was genuine in what he said, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, about the, I mean, he even handled it well in Colorado. I felt, um, so yeah, it's, 
I agree with all that. That yeah, that he's probably coming back. That I feel like the, you could have read between the lines a little bit about whether he was unhappy or not. And you know, I think for that portion of me that, that thinks, man, it kind of stinks that he has so much play. On the flip side, he's saying things to the front office that we want to right. be like, hey, right. let's take that one step further. And you know, he has the ability to do it. So yeah, I. Yeah, one, I feel like the, the two superstars that are in place for a potential third or somebody else that could really help, and I just think that he may be driving the train on that. And it's, uh, you know, they're close. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's about as close as they're going to get. And, you know, you know they, you're they one player and one Jack Flaherty away from maybe, maybe being the best team in the National League outside of the Dodgers. Yeah. You know, DeGrom leaves New York, which would be an interesting name, by the way. Mm-hmm. And... uh you know, they're down to earth real quick, even with Scherzer. So, right. you know, I, I agree. I mean, I think he's coming back. I think that the process is going to play out, and I think that's kind of by design. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, it's still – in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, man, that would stink. You know, that's yeah. – uh, you know, there's a lot of un- – there's a lot of possibilities, but a lot of unproven behind that name, you know. Mm-hmm. So, hey, I don't know. Let's just hope that, that, it, that it happens fairly quickly. Yeah, it's interesting. The way you phrase that made me think about – just me at my work, you know, I, I work with my dad's firm and he's got, he's got the couple of partners or whatever. And I don't want to run the firm. I don't want the responsibility of running the firm, but I would like to have that, you know, like 1% of ownership that got me into the meetings to say, look, it's the 21st century. Let's accept debit cards. You know I mean? We can't, we keep, keep, you know, because there's some of us that are like, you know, we're like, why are we not doing this? And they never get around to doing that kind of stuff. Or, you know, hey, we don't want to do X, Y, or Z. We, you know, you know the the people that are working there, and there's not many. And I mean, I'm not, you know, it's just a situation where if you've got a little bit of of, of power, or at least a, enough to get a get your foot in the door to to make some some opinions for other people known. Uh, and I think that's somewhat what Nolan's doing here is just saying, look, this is what we want. This is what we want to see. This is a team. This is what I want to see. And I don't. I don't think Nolan's going in there as like, this is what I want. I think this Nolan's going in here and saying, look, as a team, you know, how can we make this team win? You know, this is not, I want more money. This is about how to make this team win. Cause Nolan Arnado, where's his, I feel like where's his heart on his sleeve. I mean, right. I mean, he is the most, he's more passionate about some of the stuff that we have seen. And you're right in Colorado, when he wasn't happy, they, they, you knew about it. I mean, he was, not one to necessarily just hide everything and bury it down and then wait till free agency. I mean, he made it known, Hey, I don't like the way this team is going. So to not hear that again, I just think that you're right. He's just using that power and uh, in a, in a good way. And we'll see how, what comes out of it. Maybe we are already seeing that again, this press conference car, Moselock said that payroll will go up and the Cardinals have raised payroll in the past, but I don't think they've ever been as, adamant before the before everything that that they were going to spend money right they've they've said well we'll see how the market is or we have flexibility to do this or something like that but john was like i mean flat out said payroll is going to go up and it's not because of raises and increases to other people so i i wonder if that's not coming out of a little bit of the discussion with nolan and saying look let's let's you know, be clear about what we're going to do. Yeah. It's uh and it was funny. There was, 
so many things in the press conference when you read back through it that pointed to something. You know, you wonder mm-hmm. if it's if it's fan, fan speak a little bit. I mean, I don't feel like you get that out of Mo very often, so I think it's pretty no. genuine. But it begs the question of, you know, that's is this this further along this of stuff that we want to hear. But, you know, it was pretty direct. And he said it three or four times about payroll raising, adding and whatnot. And then specifically said catcher, which really surprised me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. that's the most they play their cards. But it all points to the fact that I do think that there's going to be some improvement and there's going to be some outside influence on this team on and in the roster next year. And it may very well have come from that meeting with Arenado. So, um, you know, more of the feather in the hat that, you know, his influence is big and that he's going to be a bigger part of things moving forward. Yeah, and that's – that's fine. I mean, I absolutely. I'm not saying that we should do everything Nolan Arenado wants to do. No, I agree, and that's why I was kind of, I was kind of riding it right. I was kind of walking that line. I'm thinking, you know, it's silly to think that they were like, we're doing this or nothing. But I do kind of wonder if it's, uh, and it, it to even imply that feels like, hey, do this or I am yeah. going to opt out. And I don't think that's the case at all. Mm-hmm. It's just no. I feel like this. Hey, there's some guys out here, and it may even be a situation. I've played with X player who played with this player who he would be a good fit. And, you know, one of those type of deals or mm-hmm. even somebody under his, uh, you know, I can't, he's not a Boris guy. Um, I can't remember who it is. And even in somebody under that window, you know, I mean, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that there's a chance, like I say, for Nolan to be not only right now, but maybe even throughout his contract, if he's making his getting it set up here, um, to have that, to kind of be that sounding board, um, to say, look, this is what we're thinking. And again, I don't, I don't think it's a, let's do this, or we need to do this. Or like you said, we have to do this or I'm going, I just think it's like, Hey, let me, you know, let me give my opinions here. Let me, you know, make sure that I feel valued that what I'm saying, you know, even if it doesn't happen, at least I feel like the, if the front office is taking me seriously about it. Yeah. He's with Wasserman. He used to be with Boris. Okay. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I think Nolan is, could be set up to be the, the guy for the next five or six years, you know, the leader of this team. And, you know, especially with, you know, Yachty's gone now, Wainwright's gone after this year. Um, we've always said that, you know, Goldschmidt and Arnado and people like that have, are going to have to step up. And I think, while there may be different types of leadership styles, I don't think we're ever going to hear about Paul Goldschmidt, you know, talking to front office or anything like that. Um, I think Nolan could really fill that spot um, and maybe try to hold the front office somewhat accountable. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's a lot of speculation and uh, wish casting a little bit, but I, I think that this could be a really interesting relationship that they have. Um but that all means he's got to stay here to do it. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, I, before we get into and we still haven't got, <laughs> we're 45 minutes into the show, still haven't got into the coaching changes. Which I was, was thinking about that. Uh, when we were talking thing. But before we get to that, I do want to, because you just mentioned it. I want to go ahead and talk about, before I forget uh, about catcher. I, I thought that was like you said, very interesting. They've got Andrew Kister. They've got Yvonne Herrera, who has played, you know, got to the majors this year, didn't play much, but got to the majors this year. You would expect, I think in the past, you would have expected the Cardinals to say they're going to do a Kisner-Herrera split or 
they're going to, you know, get a veteran backup guy. One of those guys is going to be the, you know, the main guy. It kind of feels like the Cardinals have soured on one or both of those guys to the point that, yeah, they may go out and get a free agent. I don't know that Wilson Contreras is the guy to go get, and that's a, maybe a conversation for a different show, but it just really surprised me that they were so clear about saying they would get a catcher instead of letting the press say, well, they could go get a catcher, you know, and just kind of let, you know, let that narrative be out there maybe, but it's coming directly from them is a little different. Yeah. It, that, I, that was the the biggest takeaway for me. Even, even the, the, the coaching changes didn't surprise me as much because sometimes those voices get raw, which we can, we can get into that here in a little bit, but uh, yeah. yeah, to be so direct coming off the situation that they did, because one, you think it's almost a disservice to Kisner a little bit because, you know, he, they pretty much half and half it this year. And it was a, a situation to where you're like, okay, now is it going to be his shot? But no, they, they specifically circled that to improve, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I thought that was interesting because you're thinking one, it's, are they going to be, is there any sting from the Fowler contract of being the two perfect fit on that to where you have to take that guy? And I, it just, it, coincidentally, it's a cub, you know, I don't mean it like that, right. but immediately you go to Contreras and you're like, well, is that right? I mean, that could be a huge bat, but he's not a very good catcher. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's a pretty big step back. So you yeah. wonder if they're going to completely change the way that they've always looked at that position as being a defense first deal to add that third bat. I don't know. The fit almost seems too perfect for that, you know, to where it's just basically signing a check for a guy like Contreras. Um, you look at the other guys that are in play, you know, and you go to Murphy just because, you know, mm-hmm. the top two prospects are, you know, are catchers in, in Oakland and that's just kind of the way they operate. So that would be, a, that would, could be a natural fit, but, but no, I mean, it, I, they're going to turn over a lot of the tea leaves. I would assume, to this and it was it was I don't know almost refreshing that they were blunt in the way they approached it well and it also leads you to the point where if you don't get one of those guys then you've got to kind of mend a little yeah, bit I, yeah too, I mean it makes you means they're gonna to have to do something yeah it, it, it's interesting you bring up the Fowler contract because you're I mean you know again when Fowler came they, they kind of felt like they needed a center fielder yeah that was the best center fielder on the market blah 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 and then of course as soon as i signed that contract you know that next spring training tommy fam comes out of nowhere right and if they had just believed in what they had they i mean granted tommy fam's his own little you know ball of crazy but um (laughs) you know at least he you could have you could have gotten away without spending that money um you could have gotten away because you know feller just he got off on the wrong foot and the fact that tommy fam was coming up had a strong thing it did make for his time in st louis to be the best um and i, I kind of hate that um i oh, know i agree i've always know. felt that way and fowler just hasn't been you know what he went out to la for that last year but he got hurt for most of it and then last year he signed with the blue jays in a minor league thing but i think they released him i don't think he made it back i think he's probably done now i think i um, think you even said that he was done you know that's uh, i mean i think that was maybe just one of the uh um nothing direct but someone had asked him he goes no he's not gonna play anymore he type situation yeah yeah when you can't make it at that part of your career i you know i think you're probably and you've made that kind of money you, you're ready to go home um and that's fair uh i do hate like i, said, I do hate that the fowler thing but i i just i didn't think 
it kind of like you're right. The fit was like too perfect. It was too cute. It just did feel like that was something they really needed to do. And Fowler was not Fowler's come off a good year, but I don't think Fowler was as good of a player as the money that, you know, he wasn't going to be this superstar type of thing. And I think that that's kind of what they brought him in to be. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's some comparisons there for Contreras. Um, and the fact that if you're going to use Juan Yepes and Nolan Gorman as your DH, assuming they go out and did something, like we said, if they got a Trey Turner or something like that, but at least, you know, um, Contreras has DH quite a bit over the last year or so. Yeah. Um, you, you're not going to have that option for him. And I don't know. I feel like somebody showed he's got a good bat for a catcher. He doesn't have a good bat for a DH. So, you know, I don't know. I'm not. I am not on the Wilson Contreras train. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe that is the, the, the cub in me. And, you know, 20 home runs would be nice. Uh, OPS, you know, but, the, you know, his OPS last year was 128, which is good. The two years before, it's a 109, 106, you know, but he's he's 30 years old. He's a catcher that's, I, I don't know. Again, there's a lot of, you know, if they got him, great, but he's also a cub that's really bothered me in the past. So, um I, I'm not, I'm not big on that. Um, but you're right. I mean, that, that may be what they do and that may come back to bite them if they do it, but probably not from Kisner or Herrera. And that's, you know, it feels like, uh, and I'm about, I'm getting into the exit interviews that I do every year and, and, you know, put the stats and really looking at each player, but it felt to me like Kisner had stretches where he was, a, I mean, at least offensively and I'm no judge of defense. And looking at some of his defensive numbers, I think I can understand some of the to get away from. But offensively, it felt like there were times he found his stride. It didn't, and it had to be difficult, you know. You know, he found he, he found it some, and then Yachty would be there and all that kind of stuff. I'm a little bit surprised they're not giving him another year, and I'm really surprised that they seem to be. I don't understand the usage of on on Herrera this year while Yachty was out, and why they went and signed it. Austin Romine instead of letting yeah. I have more time. So somewhere in all that, their focus of catcher has changed. But, uh, you know, if, if they went and got Trey Turner and maybe an outfield bat, I'd be fine with leaving Andrew Kisner back. There. Yeah, I no, I agree with that. I mean, that's, that's, that's another reason that I was kind of surprised that they were so adamant about adding there. Um, yeah. Because he, I, you, you were like, all right, to me, I was thinking, well, I feel like you could get by, especially in the way the baseball looks at catchers now, mm-hmm. that you, you're going to be all right with that. You know, and so I don't know. It surprised me. But, no, I, I agree with you on that one. Yeah. All right. Long enough. Coaching changes. Cardinals come out. Well, first of all, before even before even that and Wainwright stuff, Skip Schumacher gets the job in Miami, uh, manager of the Marlins, which is cool. I, I'm, I'm really good for, I think that'd be fun for skip. Um, it's even farther away from his home in San Diego, but obviously the year in St. Louis didn't, didn't hurt his family too much, I guess. Um, and that'll be fun. I mean, you know, spring training, you'll see him over on the other side and, and all that kind of stuff. And so that's, you, you kind of knew apparently, you know, Schumacher seems to have been a, a name that has bounced around now as a, as a manager choice, the Cardinals have had some of those guys. In fact, Jose Akindo being a guy like that. Stubby Claff has been a guy like that in the past. 
they never get the job. So it was kind of cool to see that Schumacher finally, finally did get that job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how long have we been talking about uh, Joe McEwing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's somebody that's uh, going to get it. You know, going to get a look, but uh, but no, yeah, I was glad, and it was funny that like even when the rumor started, the uh, you had a feeling that, that was probably what was going to happen in, with uh, the Marlins because you didn't really hear many other names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seemed to be a guy that they that was kind of their focus uh, to start with. So you knew going in that the Cardinals were going to have to replace their bench coach, and that that made sense. But Mo starts his press conference this week by just dropping bombshells all over the place. Yeah. And the big one, of course, for anybody that's been on Twitter in the last two or three years was that Jeff Albert wasn't returning. Um, I thought it was, we can get into this Jeff Albert thing and we should, oh, let's do that. Um, Jeff Albert, the Cardinals were going to offer Jeff Albert a, a contract. Um, and he said, basically, thanks, but no, thanks. I'm, going to go do some other stuff because I'm tired of the criticism. It seems like, and this is the kind of the, the feel that's coming out, right? That, that he got a little bit frustrated with how much blame he got personally over any kind of woes. And so he took his ball and went home. I don't, I don't know if that's a fair thing to say, but that's at least the impression that's gotten out there. Yeah. Um, how much do you buy into it? Some. Um, no, I, mean, I, I, I like your opinion on this because sometimes I can get a little knee jerk reaction to say I'm I'm one of those to be like that that it turns into a hey this may not be working how do we want to handle it mm-hmm. you know what I mean and and, and put the uh, you know make them make the decision a little bit basically is what I wonder how much of that played into this. Right. I, I don't know. I've been int- I mean, you know, they obviously, like I said, obviously they're going to offer him a contract. So they seem to be fairly content with what he is doing. Yeah. And, you know, again, it feels like his minor league, the, the work in the minor league seems to be right. Cause the Cardinals have hitting prospects that they've never had hitting prospects, you know, at least at this rate. Yeah. Um. So it, it's obviously doing something down there and the, you know, and there's also the, kudos to Randy Flores and who he's, who's drafting. But, um, I, but I could see that they were going to say, how can we, you know, what can we do a little different? Or there were some changes maybe they wanted to make. I honestly, I mean, it really does. And and it's going to be interesting. I want to see what Jeff Albert does next. Um, if he goes and sets up, you know, his own driveline or something like that, his own hitting lab that that hitters can come to and kind of just make his own money. That under I understand that. I mean, if he goes to another team, I think he's going to find these. It's possible he won't get the criticism because I think sometimes in St. Louis, because we're so baseball obsessed, we focus on minutia that other teams may not. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, there are probably there may be Pittsburgh hitting coaches or Pittsburgh fans that don't know who the hitting coach is, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But Cardinals always know all the coaches and they're always going to be, you know, fans are always going to be kind of, you know, you know, criticizing or at least maybe mentioning those guys more than they normally would. So, I mean, it's possible he can go somewhere that, but he's going to get criticism no matter, because that's just the way of baseball, you know, that team could hit 
you know, they could average 10 runs a game, but if they went a week without, you know, scoring, um, somebody's going to be saying, what are we doing with this hitting coach? You know, that kind of stuff. I mean, that's just the way of baseball. Um, I just, I think it's going to be interesting. If he really does kind of step away from the public light, I think that criticism really did get to him more. And it may be, it's also fair to say it may not have bothered him as much because I think the narrative that's running around this is Jeff Albert had a thin skin and he couldn't handle a little bit of Twitter complaining. And what was he doing on Twitter to hear it? You know, that kind of stuff. And I don't know that that's true, but you know, I think it's also may have been that, look, his family was, may have said, look, what are you doing? You know, we have to see all this. We have to, you know, we're, we get a lot of that. You know, we hear all this, you know, this isn't worth it. And, And maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I also, my initial thought was he wanted, he said, I, was thinking, and I don't think this was borne out by comments, but my initial reaction was he wanted to kind of protect the process and didn't want to be the, the scapegoat for it. You know, he he believed in the process, so he's going to let it go. And that way that Cardinals aren't pressured to, you know, do something different because people are complaining about him. I, I don't know. Again, I don't know that that's true. Yeah. I don't know that. I don't know that the Cardinals are going to be better off without, Jeff Albert. Um, I don't know the Cardinals be different though. I mean, what do you think? Do you think, I mean, the Cardinals seem to be pretty content with what he has done. So it feels like they're just going to find somebody that's kind of just like him, just has a different name and go with that. You know, maybe even someone that's in there now, you know, right. I mean, the underneath, I don't know. Yeah. That, that was that. I always felt like that was the, uh, it, that was always one of the most, well, I mean, not, maybe not surprising, but the, reaffirmation by Mo every time that we would, would be there, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? That, Hey, this is working and Hey, here's the reasons why. And they would have the proof behind it, you know, for this to happen, you, 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 it, it will probably never know the whole story, but, but you're right. I mean, if they, if they do believe in that, it, the, it may be an in-house option that they go with. Right. And, and, you know, I wonder, just like you said, there's some organizations that, you know, the fans don't even know the coach's name, but that's not the case in St. Louis. So, so, you know, I, I think some of these can be bayed out, you know, way too much. I feel like the, there needs to be a little churn in the in the coaching staff regardless, just for energy purposes. And and I hope that this may be the case. But that, that honestly, that just may be, you know, Albert's out and the next guy's up. Yeah, I, I think that's – I mean, there's some idea that, you know, Turner Ward was the assistant hitting coach. You know, they could just bump him up. I feel like they brought in, and I, I may be completely wrong on this. Uh, it would not be surprising, but I feel like they brought Turner Ward in to kind of be an interface. Yeah, you know, the, the <laughs> counterbalance is what, what right. I would say. But yeah, I, I completely agree. That's the feeling that I got. Yeah, that he's gonna he's gonna take this analytic stuff and kind of maybe help translate it to what the players can use, and and that's so I feel like that may leave him there, and then you know they've got Russ Steinhorn, who's their hitting coordinator in the minors. You know, he's kind of in the same boat. I feel like that's a good chance that that's where they'll bring him up there. Um, we'll see. Um, uh, you know, they could hire somebody else, but I feel like it's going to be somebody analytic driven. I don't think, you know, everybody's throwing out the, yeah, bring Pujols, bring out. No, they're not doing it. Um, you know, they've got Ryan Ludwig running around. I don't know his hitting philosophy. I don't know if, if he's, you know, kind of mar- marrying what he did as a player versus into the analytics and such. 
you know, maybe they go with that, but I, I feel like they're going to, yeah, they're just going to kind of stick with the name. And I think that's always brings the brunt. It does run the risk of bringing the brunt. Cause it's like, well, this guy never played, you know, what are we now to be fair, John Mabry played and he got plenty of grief too as a hitting coach. Um, but when you bring in a guy that has minimal experience in the big leagues, um, I think there are fans that start to, to gripe, but you know, fans can gripe all they want, you know, as long as they get the results that the Cardinals are getting the results because we are short minded people. You know, you look at what Jeff Albert did over the season, right? I mean, the Cardinals were in the top 10 in most offensive categories as a team. And yet people would say, well, you know, they're not going to give any credit to Albert, but the fact that the Cardinals then, you know, don't hit the playoffs seems to always fall on his shoulders. And I could get to that being a little bit old after a while. Yeah, no, yeah, I completely agree. Even when they're uh, performing and we, like I said, short memories, all that good stuff. Uh, it's the recency bias because that's what we saw right. that it just went quiet there in the last month of the season. We had even talked about that leading up to the playoffs that it could happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's funny. I, I'm always all right with a fresh take on those things to get a new voice in the clubhouse. But it, it was one that um, I felt like it, it may have been from the pitching side just because of, you know, that's typically how it works in a Maddox mm-hmm. situation and that they felt like they would double down with Albert and enough things had been done and there were times in the last two years where you thought man they're gonna probably have to fire him you know what i mean just just to make a move to make a move sake like they would do something they say they don't do that but everybody does it so you know to bring him back or to to not bring him back it's it it will be interesting to see what happens yeah yeah it should be should be really interesting but what may be more interesting than the hitting coach because again they're not going to change direction they've spent a lot of time getting the ship finally turned in in one way and they're not going to just you know try to turn the wheel now what may be more interesting is replacing the pitching coach and i i understand mike maddox wanting to step away i mean he's i don't know what he's getting to be but it's been a while i mean any any player that i can remember pitching is probably getting old um, you know, <laughs> enough to, to run this. Cause you and I, you know, we remember Mike Maddox as a, as an actual player. Yeah. Um, let's see, he's 61 years old, be 62 next August. So he just, he's just turning, but I get that. I mean, it's got to get, I mean, he's been in baseball. I, I don't know. I think he went into coaching pretty much immediately after playing. So we, you know, he's probably been in baseball for 40 something years now. I, that makes sense to me. He said he wanted to step back. I think he still wants to be involved somehow, and the Cardinals may still have him. You know, I don't know. I, I could see maybe a roving minor league reporter, minor league guy that goes every once in a while or something like that. But for the most part, he's gone. I think that they're going to go more analytical that way too, right? Doesn't that make sense? I know Rusty wrote something at the at, um on the blog this week, I haven't actually, I read his hitting one. I haven't read his pitching one, but just from the title, it sounds like that's what he was indicating as well. They're going to have to go more analytic unless grab the shoulder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, uh, yeah, probably so. And that's, uh, I mean, just everything plays that way. I mean, is, is this a situation where we don't necessarily see the, uh, the in-house option that mm-hmm. they go and get, somebody more along those lines. I mean, that, that that would seem to make the most sense. Yeah, I think so. I don't think, I know that Kyle has talked about, they have 
guys in the minor leagues that are doing some of this stuff. Um, you know, some of this over overall arching thing, like we thought that, that Jeff Albert was doing. Um, but right now they're not seeing the results that the hitters are. And so I easily could see them going and getting a guy that, and then kind of turning it over like they did with Jeff Albert and say, look, this, you know, you your philosophy. We've got guys here. This is where we're going. But if you, you know, that kind of stuff, I, I do think that's an outside hire. Um, I don't know who it is. I mean, I have no idea, you know, but um, although I think was, was it Kyle body that did driveline and then went and worked for the Reds for a year or two um, had seemed to have pretty good success. I, you know, something like yeah. that, or, you know, I, I think it's going to be something in that nature. Um, but I don't, I have no idea what it is. And I think it's going to be a name that we don't know, right? I mean, yeah. it's not going to be, you know, some former player or something like that. I think it's going to be a, a, somebody we don't know that's going to bring a little bit of different stuff. And hopefully somebody with a thin, thick skin, because they're probably going to get the grief that Jeff Albert did when, you know, <laughs> yeah. if, if any of this stuff starts meaning that we're giving up five or six runs a game, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Thankless would be the easiest way to put yeah. a lot of these jobs. You know, that's uh, you know the never, not a lot of credit. You know, a lot of criticism, and that that would be tough. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, I guess talking about thankless, uh, Brian Evertzger gets removed from bullpen coach, and I forgot they reassigned him as assistant to the general manager. So I don't remember they they moved him to some different role now i don't know exactly what all entails with the bullpen coach um i know eversgird has worked his way up i mean he was i think he was the minor he was a memphis's pitching coach for a while um and then before he moved up to to take on the bullpen coach it just seemed weird i mean to to reallocate him i i don't know what's going on there um, and it's not a situation that anybody really, I mean, again, it's the bullpen coach. Nobody's going to look at that when you're getting rid of the hitting and pitching coaches as well. Um, but I, it just seems a little bit strange. Uh, again, the bullpen coach probably just more than I, you know, realize, and I'm sure that it has some value there. I know that, but I don't know what Eversger could have done that got him removed from that spot, moved to someplace else, unless they want him you know, analyzing people in the minor leagues. And that's just, it's more of a, it's more of a promotion than it looks like maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. it. I do kind of wonder whatever, how many other organizations are like this to where we figure out, uh, um, yeah. How many other organizations flip the switch (laughs) on that, uh, that role often, you know, and the names that are in there, you know, I've always been kind of, uh, how many guys have been moved into the pitching coach role out of the bullpen role other than Lilliquist that I, that, that you can remember? I don't, I don't, I was going to say, I don't know of another one really right off the top yeah. of my head. So. Yeah. I mean, see, Everskirt's been, I said, he's been here since 21 or 2001 bullpen coach since 2018. Um, and it may have been just a little bit of, I, this is, I mean, look, 
this staff was here when Ollie Marmol came in. And it may be that he and Ollie just didn't necessarily vibe. Um, yeah. Although they both kind of came up through the minor league, so I would have thought they would have. But it may have been just something that just didn't just didn't work for one of the one of the two. Um, man, we we do tend to write off personnel differences sometimes, um, but there is. I mean, there is that, or it may have been just like Ollie had a guy he wanted to put in that spot, and the Cardinals found another spot for Eversgard. I don't, I don't know. Um, but this is going to be a staff that, I mean, there's still some, there's still some coaches here that's carried over from, from, uh, shield. I don't think anybody's there from Athene there, except for, uh, our old friend, Jamie Pogue, who's been there since 2012. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's, um, it's interesting. It may have just been a chance for for my mold to get a guy that he may have a guy in, in mind, although they didn't hire him immediately. He may have had somebody in mind or who knows. There's, there's no telling it's a bullpen coach. I don't think there's necessarily huge conspiracy there or anything like that, but uh, it's just a little bit different. You know, the other two guys you understood the other three, if you count Schumacher, that one was just, that was the only one that the organization made the move because you know, they were willing to offer Maddox a contract as well. And he decided it was time to you know step back. Um, that's the only one that they made the move, but they didn't, you know, and again, they didn't just fire him. He's still in the organization as a special assistant. So it's just a little bit of a oddity. Yeah. Yeah. It is. <laughs> you never know. I mean, how much, you know, it feels like they're going to turn over every stone to find the analytical mindset to go into the pitching, but you're right. You just kind of wonder, I mean, how much of a pat on the back is the, uh, the movement for the next guy, you know, does that make sense? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, Hey, you've been with us a lot. Like now you get to wear the big league uniform type situation. Right. I don't know how much that plays into it as well. Good. Good. I got to say at all with all this, I'm always still surprised that Willie McGee is still here. Cause it, it always felt like Willie came back kind of, <sighs> grudgingly to some degree like he wasn't yeah. he was hesitant and every year i don't know i guess maybe he just got more adjusted and more used to it but with this kind of exodus i would not have been surprised to say to see him say okay i'm, I'm done too um but he's still there um which is fascinating because i always felt like and i i get willie i'm sure has a lot on has a lot of knowledge and stuff but it always felt like they made a spot for willie mcgee yeah um Maybe because I just wasn't, I mean, he's an assistant coach. I mean, it's, I mean, he's the outfielders coach and stuff like that. And it's just interesting that uh, of dynamics that you see. Uh, Stubby clap, pop Warner, I guess even Willie. Those are the guys left on the staff, like the main guys. Do you think either one, any of those three become the bench coach? Man. I don't know. That would be, there's, uh, you, I would, my first reaction would be like McGee would make a lot of sense just because of the experience, but I'm not sure that he wants that responsibility. Yeah. Clap doing it would, would match up to what they've done before, you right. know, with, with Schilt and Ollie a little bit. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not certain. That's a good question. I really hadn't thought about it too much because um, I, I naturally thought it was going to be somebody from the minor league ranks, but that would make a lot of sense. My um, my guess would be 
I think I think Stubby gets that. Yeah. I think um, there was a little bit of a surprise, right, that he didn't get it last time that they yeah. went out and got Skip Schumacher, uh, which made sense. I mean, but but he was in the kind of felt like he was in the running then. I think they do. I think they move him there, and that might be what gets him. You know, we might be doing this another year or two. Um, I agree because he's, doing, because yeah. he's getting the managerial job. Um, having that that kind of thing on his resume couldn't hurt. Um, that's my guess. But I mean, it's funny that you know when Mike Schultz was there. I guess maybe not. I I just don't feel like Ollie Marmol necessarily, maybe because of the way he's managed this year. I don't feel as much like Ollie Marmol needs some sort of legendary veteran or something as, as his bench coach. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that about McGee. I'm just saying you don't, you don't have to bring in a, an old crusty guy that's done this for 35 years. I, agree. I feel all he did, a, and maybe some of that was, was skipped too, but I trust in what Marmol's doing, and I think he's had the experience. I mean, you could bring in another young, uh, analytically minded guy to be the bench coach if you wanted to, and you can move Stubby. I, I think, like I said, I think they will. Um, I think there have been times, you know, like, you know, like when Mike Matheny took over, he he needed a, sure. a strong bench coach. I don't remember who his bench coach was now at the top off my head, but and Shield having no major league experience you could understand a strong bench coach um, if you wanted to, but I don't know. I, I just don't feel like that's necessarily a requirement. I think I did last year. I think I was a little bit surprised that, that Skip got it, but Skip had a little bit more experience and stuff in the big leagues. But after you just after a year, I, I've been always done a good and fine job. So it's going to be interesting to see how fast do you think? I mean, do you think that they fill these spots uh, like right after the world series? I, don't you think that probably happens by the uh, uh, GM meetings in November? Probably. I would think yeah. so. I would think that those would be the things that go into place. There may be one that, that lags along, but, you know, mm-hmm. I would think that, that those are probably taken care of pretty quickly. Uh, the heavy lifting as far as Arnado and uh, the uh, the coaching openings, I feel like probably get taken care of pretty fast. Yeah, let me see. Winter meetings. Oh, that's the winter meetings. Uh, I'm trying to find out what those that date. Those general meetings. It's usually meetings early are. November. It's usually yeah, a it's, month before the winter meetings. Yeah. yeah, let's see. GM meetings start on the 9th of okay. November. So that is yeah, a couple weeks from now, basically. So, um, yeah, that will be interesting uh, stuff to see. So. Alan, I'm probably not with you next week. Maybe we'll get back to you uh, if there's more news that have dropped, um, uh, especially around the GM meetings and such. Uh, figure out what we're going to do with our winter before kicking off with our guest-aramas that we do at the beginning of, of the year, getting ready for the next season. But uh, we've run long and a lot of stuff to talk about, um, but we'll wrap it here. Uh, so for Alan, I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night. The final time, Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, in regular season play. Here it comes. All of them coming out. 
three icons in franchise history spanning over two decades excellence here with St. Louis as Adams head to Yachty and Albert you guys go first.